0: Welcome to Showing Our Sass, the podcast. I am your host, Marta Gwynn, and this season I am thrilled to introduce my good friend, A.C. atre Lee author Snodgrass, as we tackle topics that tend to make people clutch their pearls, especially when it comes to health and wellness. This season, we are going to tackle all kinds of topics related to taking control of our health, and we promise not to pull our punches because we are living through a time where we just don't have time to play about our health. AC is one of those people who are driven to fight for what's right, whether it's raising awareness for her community of persons living with type 1 diabetes or pushing for fair and equitable treatment of union workers. AC uses her body and her voice to help others. AC also has a habit of trying on a lot of other people's clothes and dancing in front of cameras. You might call her a model, but she would say she just has fun doing things she loves. So without further ado, I present to you Showing Our Sass Season 1. Let's get into it. One of the other places that it confounds me that we do not take advantage of an education platform is in our churches when it comes to talking about our health. You want to have the most profound impact, and I can prove it. When someone's trying to get elected, don't you normally see them getting up in churches and trying to get a message and and get for, okay. So churches are a really effective platform for going and delivering broad information. I mean, information to a broad audience, right? How many churches can you think of that you've ever encountered where there was some kind of
1: sexual health education? I'll say this. We had, uh, this was when I was Mississippi doing, uh, the work um doing hiv uh hiv aids prevention and education and they had health fairs and we had a booth at a health fair um, but mississippi has a staggering rate of stis in general but especially with hiv and so i will say that we had a conversation at that point um but it was not geared toward the vulnerable population which i believe um are young kids and so we had a table with pamphlets and stuff and 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 you know if you really needed a if you had a question we can answer it but people weren't always flocking to our table to talk because it's a taboo subject but they did open up that opportunity but i can't say that happened in mass across churches you know what i'm saying And so my my concern is that sex and sexual health should be a conversation that's had very early far before you have to use any of the information that you learn it should be that you know about these things before it is, is being presented to you. So I remember even um who knows even more. Remember DARE. They 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 did a test and said yes. was, Yeah, DARE was like happening in like first and second grade before kids are even being introduced to certain drugs, unless that was, what like was part that of the it part. was like it was drug. I forgot the acronym. Alcohol. I wanna I wanna uh, something a, a writing oh. competition for DARE though. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it was like drugs, alcohol, resistance education or something like that. Um so, I, I have to go look that up. But yeah, but they were like, hey, you know what, kids are starting to try drugs at this age. Let's start at this age. So they actually had us starting far before many of us even knew what, let's say, marijuana smelled like. Whether it worked or not, they still had enough sense to be like, let's start before we have in DARE at college. There wasn't in college. There was even before high school, it was in elementary school. So we should have these conversations about general health. And I'm not just talking about, you know, not just preventing preventing pregnancies, but there should be general health. And, and this leads me to, to so many things because, You know, I was talking about uh, talking with a friend uh, and I've had this conversation quite a bit of times talking about your sexual health and, um, you know, sexual abuse with children, all this kind of stuff. We're having this conversation. And unfortunately, and I'm not here blaming the victims or even the parents about this, because this should never happen to anyone. But there is a direct correlation with what you feel comfortable sharing with your parents if they've opened that door. And if you're able to communicate and say, hey, this person's making me feel weird, this person makes me feel funny, or I don't like this or they touch me in this way. If you've ever talked about touch, if you've ever talked about your sexual parts, if you've ever talked about these things with your parents, if something is a little off, you will feel open to tell them about the body parts they've already been talking about. But if you are in a place that's very conservative and very hidden, if you're bringing up body parts that if your father has never seen a vagina, you sure as heck aren't going to say, Mr. Peterson, touch my vagina. If, if you don't even say that to your dad, you see what I'm saying? It should be, Oh yeah. you know what I mean? And so if you feel open and it's okay to have these, you're going to have these body parts your whole life. If you feel comfortable talking to you and I'm saying, and I'm saying this from a conversation I have with someone that I know this happened to, they said they would have been more open to talk about mm-hmm. these, that they knew that it was okay to talk about those things, period, even hypothetically. So I think that it benefits the parents to almost give them more information. I think that they think that their children even be able to understand because they'll refer back to it later on. You know what I mean? Like, like give them every bit of information that they can think of giving their child, because I guarantee it will benefit them. Information does not hurt your children. And again, going back to, um, um, the conversation we're having about church, it's so important that, you know, the purpose of churches is to, is to educate us in every area of our lives and how we can take the spirit and, and, and have the spirit affect us in our, in the natural realm and how it can benefit us and how it can make our lives better. So mm-hmm. information and knowledge and wisdom, is something we talk about constantly and say, you've got to read your Bible. You've got to know these things and how it applies to your life. We are also in these bodies and we have to figure out how to use these bodies properly and safely that, that they last a long time. And we can live to be 120 years old if we all claim say we want to live. So why not talk about something that we're going to be doing for the majority of our life, which is sex. And we should break that down too.
0: There is instruction in the Bible about how to handle our bodies, and it is mm-hmm. not strictly abstinence as- only. That is not the only guidance in the Bible. One of the things that Christians are charged to do is study to show yourself approved. You know what? I read my book, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I get commentaries, and then I go and have conversations with other scholars who dive deeper than I do in there. So there's a roadmap inside of the Bible to help us better understand the totality of who we are as Spiritual and physical beings, because we have both that make us up. Um, a lot of what we do is, in my opinion, my personal opinion, oversimplification yeah. of that yeah. instruction manual that we have that we call the Bible. Um, yeah. limitation to saying, Well, it, this is what it says in my version of the Bible. Well, have you only read one version of the Bible because you know there are multiple ones. There there are lots of different study aids because language matters and meanings of words can shift and change over time. And so we do need to consider those kinds of things. Uh, But when I when I look at it at a basic level, it's the shame factor that Mm -hmm. irritates, frustrates and makes me want to holler. Uh, When it comes to that aspect of things, the only time you hear about sex in a church context is you don't need to be having it outside of marriage. And when someone comes down the mountain about sexual deviancy that comes along with homosexuality, oh, Mm -hmm. Lord, you want to start something going on in the church? You're going at that. But that's not the conversation we're having today. Mm -hmm. Um, But reproductive health, if you got to take sex, the word out of it, you can say reproductive health is mm-hmm. something that the church wants to make sure people understand. Eliminating the feeling of shame mm-hmm. at learning your own body by touching your body mm-hmm. and be familiar with it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So many women need to be able to free themselves to touch their bodies because mm-hmm. we have to do that for breast, some breast checks. Yeah. You know, But if you've been told, if you touch yourself and it feels yeah. good, that's sinful. Yeah, and it belongs. Well, do I? Do I?
1: Do I? I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Would you know what's so crazy about that? What's so crazy about that is that we're told that we should not have an intimate relationship with our bodies, right? But we're expected to then gain an intimate relationship with someone we don't know, and then we're expected to then have that person magically figure out what we've not figured out about ourselves, and that's not fair. So So it's it's not fair to your partner. Yeah, it's not fair to your partner. You can't give them any information. They're just dealing with the whole clean slate. uh, and they're just like, I don't, I mean, is this okay? Is this okay? So, because I'm I'm putting this, the oneness of this on both on both male and female. If men are completely, you know, completely white clean, they have no capacity of of their own pleasure, and the females have no, and we're assuming this is we're talking about heterosexual relationships. Mm -hmm. If if the men and the female have no concept of what pleases them and they're dealing with each other. You have to learn you before you learn your partner. And your and partner- Go ahead. Oh, ahead. I'm saying your partner could easily feel as if they're not doing things right, if they're not knowing how to do what's right. And I personally, and, and mind you, you know, I'm I, I I'm very old school. I got married at 32. My husband is my one and only honeymoon night, classic. right? But even still, I had to then take the time to make sense of myself before I even expected them to do anything for me. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, it's like yeah. anything else. Cook. cooked. If you've never used a seasoning, you might want to taste it before you're offering it to somebody else. You need to know about the things that you're dealing with pertaining to yourself. And it's, it's unfortunate to me that the place that, and, and, I, I, and the places that we go to get some of the most important information about who we are as people, which I believe churches are, that's where we're going. It should also provide information that we need to have healthy relationships with our partners, to have healthy relationships with with God, obviously, first and foremost. But mental, spiritual, emotional, physical physical health. Yes. And so if we're going to be prudish and we're going to be detached and we're going to pretend as if this isn't great and that's not great and everything's bad, unless it's, you know, that's unfair because I'm gonna tell you this, the teenagers that grew up around who were having sex, which most teenagers are, when the when parents are telling children to abstain, they don't realize that the the teenagers know that their parents had sex before they were married. So the parents are sitting there like, I know that my kids think that I didn't have sex with their mom until we were married. And the (laughs) the teenagers are sitting there like, my parents are idiots, right? Or the parents are sitting there like, okay, well, yeah, we had sex before we were married, but don't make the mistake that we did. Why was it the mistake that y'all got married and y'all happy and we heard y'all last night. So it seems like everything worked out. That's oh not, my gosh! are the parents saying? who
0: think that their kids don't know when they're having sex. Oh my god! Yes. And, and I and I really truly believe it stems from a misunderstanding yes. of. Lack of education. The a lack of education in that way, and um, and, and that's why I'm I'm so serious about it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really glad we're we're having this conversation now. And I expect that you know this is one of those excommunicatable kind of conversations, probably. If I cared about that kind of thing, uh, but you can't excommunicate people from the Baptist Church anyway. As Catholics. Uh, but, but When are we going to get over ourselves and realize that it's not dirty? It's not nasty. Sex is not dirty and nasty, though it can be sticky. It can be uncomfortable. You can get burned. You know, I mean, you you need you need information so that you can do it well, because sex is a gift that was given to us by God. It is a way for people to. Thoughtfully lovingly come together and seek higher heights of the human experience. It is sensorial. It is, it is designed to be. So Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not saying that you're supposed to go and lay a cloth over the covenant and the ark and get your thing on. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this is something that God gave to us as a gift and we still Treat it like something that's dirty, but necessary, was, or whatever
1: it was. Yeah, we treat it like the plague. It's a, it's a gift, and we just to me, I feel like it's a disrespect to God if you, especially within covenant, are still speaking about sex in such a negative way. When I, I know married people who don't feel comfortable talking about sex, and they have sex, as far as I know, but that is crazy. That, is crazy. that is crazy. He gained that like an orgasm serves no other purpose than pleasure men can ejaculate or can leak their stuff without having an orgasm things can just happen it just kind of comes out that's for the pleasure god is like you know what i like y'all i done made y'all y'all cool i'm gonna add these nerve endings i'm gonna do this whole thing here to make there are some insects that bite each other's heads off after they have sex you yep. know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, we that's not how we are. It serves the purpose of pleasure and procreation, but pleasure, because the majority of times that you have sex, you will not procreate. If that yeah. was the case, we'd be able to get pregnant every single day. And so the world would be overrun with babies. The world would be overrun because we're going to have sex. And so it's like, we have to see it for the positive thing that God made it to be. So, I mean, I under, it's different if people don't believe in God, they have different viewpoints, like thats that's them but for how I've always believed it to be, how I was always raised it to be. It's always been something that is positive. There's a time and a place and a person for it. It can be something that's glorious. It can be enjoyable. It can it can build a relationship with the person that is wonderful. Um, it's it, a balancing it's, it's, act it's when you think about action. it. It
0: really is. And if we're going to dip into Eastern versus Western mentalities, it really is a balancing act to the coming together of two bodies to create yes. one union. Yes, um, yes, it's yes. a balancing act in... Um, it, you open up a part of yourself that is not on display normally, which is why it's something that typically is enjoyed in private or in a small case gathering. Um, it, it is, it's to, to come together with someone in the way we're designed to do is divine. Yeah. And I know there's some people who have trouble with that, yeah. but it truly is divine. It It, it, is, it is an expression of God's love during which he will sometimes bless you to conceive life. Yeah, yeah You are, man. you are being, you are a conduit for the great act that created humanity. It yeah. is a holy and divine thing. And that's yeah. why it's so painful to see it perverted yes. in, in times, because yeah. usually it stems from someone having taken it and twisted it. And here I can do a, I can um, give a good exi- illustration of this. Um, I have a friend, uh, uh, Maximus, who has a story called uh, Soul Damage, Uh, selfless plug. Uh, But the (laughs) book is really fantastic. In fact, he uh, did a movie off of it, too. Uh, He's in Mississippi, Tougalooin. But the basis of the story is built around this young man who God, he placed a gift in him. But he was born to a mother who was a drug addict. Um, who had been uh, abused herself. This is a fict- 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 fiction story, a, a, a fictive story, sorry. Um, but the young man was born with an uncanny gift of the Lord. I mean, he 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 could preach, he could profess, he had a way of connecting the people. But when he was early in his life, I don't want to give away the book, when he was early in his life, something traumatic happened to him because his mother was not in a space where she could provide the kind of safe environment for him. It didn't destroy his gift, but it twisted his gift. And so he had difficulty connecting to people in healthy ways. So he was chasing after women. He was chasing after attention. He was chasing after all this stuff. And what's beautiful about Maximus's book, when I read it, I was like, wow, this is deep. And it needs to be a study aid used in churches, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a pastor... Who the man eventually sought out. Cause he was very successful, um, you know, to the world's definition. He was wealthy, you know, well situated and whatnot, but he felt sick and empty inside. And, and he knew something was broken in him or whatever. And this pastor helped him to move through a process, not knowingly. I mean, he was trying to do what he what pastors do, but the process of figuring out how to heal that damage and that he needed to, because just because you might have something traumatic happen to you in your early years doesn't mean that it destroys your gift, but your gift can be misapplied. So um, I think of a person who, when the person was conceived, God puts a gift of um, teaching into them, an uncanny gift. But say something traumatic happens to them, the gift of teaching doesn't go away, but maybe that act causes them to want to go and teach something that wasn't what God wanted them to teach. Mm-hmm. They're still gonna have the blessing of covenant on that gift, but it can go it can go way off in that. So we we need to study, we need to be plugged into communities, we need to kind of rip that veil off that says that there's a part of who we are that's wrong and dirty and evil and carnal and and and, and that it must be wrestled to the ground and, yes. and that you're constantly fighting your flesh against your spirit. I don't like that. I don't like that phrasing. It's why I struggle with some of the New Testament because I actually think rather than battle, what we need to do is work to understand it so we can know how to take everything God put into us and use it to his glory hmm. Because if God yeah. did not want us to have these bodies, why did he make them?
1: Why, yes. why did and he put us in? A, he could have left us pure good. energy. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I think it's a very good point by about the importance of taking the information and applying it to benefit us because we are made a certain kind of way. And as opposed to us, you know, not understanding that, I mean, it, it's it, like you said before, it only hurts us that we don't understand, as opposed to it being something that's, that's going to benefit us. So I think it's very important that we're not misusing what God has given us. What the God, lack of information, I
0: think, is what sends us into some of these areas where we then have all this. These
1: issues. And, but, but it's also, like you said, it's in, the, in the story of the book, I've not read, but high five to as you said. Um, what happened to him corrupted his ability to be able to do what he was meant to do in that time. And I think that that's what happens with a lot of us sexually, is that things happen. Either Mm -hmm. sex wasn't spoken about, it was spoken about incorrectly in the home, or something happened to where someone did something to someone to where they don't have a positive connotation about what sex is. And so these things happen so often, all those things happen so often, that to get a pure, positive perspective about sex is so few and far between that we end up hurting each other. That we yeah. end up, we end up miseducating. We end up feeling like we're wrong. We feel like, you know, feeling like somebody else is wrong and judging them. As
0: opposed Unnecessarily. to- Unnecessarily.
1: Unnecessarily. Because we're all different beings. We all do different things. And so it's, it's, it's so sad to me because, you know, how my brain works, like I said, and again, speaking about my, my coworker, the fact that she was saying, hey, sex is great, but it wasn't worth me getting a disease. It's like, I I think it's so important that we look at it like that. To where Mm -hmm. I don't want to say, I don't want to make sex the equivalent to a disease, but I'm just saying that there are things that can happen in sex that we're not ready for. But if that becomes a conversation, we can prevent it. Most sexual issues, most sexual problems, most sexual threats can be prevented if we're fully educated. Ignoring those threats or ignoring the fact that we're having sex is not the way. We know that's not being proven.
0: No, absence only is not a
1: successful
0: It method just, of it, education, and and see here. Here's my other thing: understanding that what is right for me might not mm-hmm. necessarily be what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Might not be was uh, mm-hmm. right for snuffleupagus. You know, whatever. I had to. I had to. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it's a very personal
1: thing. It's it's a personal it. thing, and again, it it made me think about when we said we were going to do this because I posted this some time ago. But it made me think about when, we, when you said you wanted to do this because it made me feel like something was wrong with me in that moment because I'm like, am I just a freaking weirdo? But then it made me think I do things differently. There's no right or wrong. There's no b- bad or good. It's just how people do things. And in the conversation of sex, there's gonna be young girls and young boys that choose to do it this way or that way or with this person or that person. And how you do it, how you process it, how you choose, as long as you're safe, as long as I put on an apron and gloves before I get to plunging, whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. As long as it's okay. If everybody's safe in the process, then what's, what are we talking about here? And, all and
0: education is the key to helping people to be safe. And, yeah. you know, I I know it's sensitive in the church, especially in the Christian church. I know it's sensitive because you're dealing with people who are, are struggling with the issues of covenant. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they tie you're doing certain things to the safety and welfare of your soul of your immortal soul um and and i know that because i've said it several times this is going to take a lot of work this is going to have to take a lot of re-education for people but the first step to me is let's open ourselves up to the conversation so we can talk about this in a good way um i i have heard an increasing conversation within the community of faith where The church is wondering, why are we losing all these younger people? We have people who say that they do believe in God, but they don't prioritize coming to church. And if you don't come to church, if you don't put your dollars in that tithe, you can't maintain these buildings where people come together and they worship in the spirit of holiness. Okay, you can't do it. Um, You can do the virtual stuff. We've all had to jump into that, but it takes money to keep those things going. That's back in the Bible. They raised money to set up those churches in Corinth and uh, Ephesus and all those other places. Okay, that is a part of helping us to be able to come together in in, uh, spirit and truth in one accord. (sighs) Plenty of us have trouble going to church right now because of the way people practice Christianity. Not because they have an issue with believing in God and thinking that we should show restraint and look out for one another. In fact, people are going to other organizations and taking those Christian tenets into other organizational structures that they feel function more effectively than the church. And I'm like, you want to see the church be able to show its relevance today? First issue, let's deal with whole health. Yes. Let's deal with whole health. You want to show yourself to be responsible. Partner with your public health agencies, I guarantee you they will welcome the opportunity to come in and build partnerships with the churches because the churches, I mean, Arkansas, everybody lost their mind when we had the shelter in place and whatnot. And the
1: biggest complaint is they want to be able to go to church. But you know what? Well, that's the thing though. Like you said, you want them to come in and have, and have those connections. I think that for the most part, um, and, and I can speak on, on behalf of many singles, you know, when you are a single in the church people are looking at you as if at times, they're looking at you as if you have the plague, you have leprosy. And they look at you this way, if you are um, comfortable in your singlehood, because they look at you as if you are walking around as a fornicator. Oh yeah, and they're if, trying to pair you up. They're trying, they're they're obsessed with connecting you with someone else, they're always, you know, so if you are a person who has no interest in ever getting married, if you're a person who just don't wanna be bothered with them coming at you like that, you are usually in a sticky situation because many church folk, as we know, with capital C, capital F, it is a culture mm-hmm. in itself. Many church folk feel as if you are a threat to what they have going on if you're walking around as a single person. And and, and I, I think, think that's really still Well, I think that stems from people who have already made the decision to pair up who are
0: not happy and they see you happy in your singleness. Then they question their decision. So that's not really about you. It's about them. Again, an opportunity for education, because, you know, people, Lord, we could go forever on this one. But I'll dive into this part. Permissive versus perfect will within the community of faith. We we talk yeah. about this as a way of saying, you know, God will bless you even if you sometimes don't do the thing in perfect will. You know what? That's a really slippery slope and it's very it's very mushy. So yeah. it's hard to figure out what's permissive versus perfect will because it's always after the fact when you're trying to do the analysis. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to set that to the side and say, how about we just make sure there's resources to help people know how to maintain healthy relationships. Husband, wife, sister, 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 brother. Brother, sister, parent, child, pastor, pastor's aid committee. How about we just deal with how do you maintain healthy communication and relationships within your extended family, which is what I always felt the church was. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Showing Our Sass, the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. And in fact, we'd love for you to jump in and tell us what you think. Remember to share, like, subscribe, comment, all those good things. And we'll see you again next week.